Uh, from the beginning of New York's COVID-19 emergency, there have been worries about the impact of the public health crisis on housing. The governor declared an eviction moratorium. The mayor called for a rent freeze, and other officials and advocates have campaigned for a cancellation of rent. Those ideas have focused on the short term. This week, the Citizens Housing and Planning Council is out with a briefing paper highlighting specific housing policy problems that New York officials need to address. To discuss that, I'm joined by CHPC Executive Director Jessica Katz. Jessica, welcome to City Limits. Thanks, Jarrett. Really appreciate being here. So what about this moment uh, do you think forces us to think about our broader housing strategy? Well, um, so CHPC was working on this project even before the crisis hit that we were calling New Lens for New York City's housing plan. So really trying to dig into what the next housing plan should look like. Um, and then when COVID-19 hit, um, it made it that much more clear that our housing policy needed to do much, much more um, than we were currently harnessing it for. Do you think that the issues that we needed to talk about today are new issues that COVID-19 has surfaced or familiar housing problems and issues that just are that much more urgent now? Um, it's a mix of both. I mean, I, for one, never thought much about touching the buttons in my elevator in my office or my apartment building before, and all of a sudden that feels treacherous. So there may be some things that feel fundamentally new that we need to worry about. Um, the housing lottery system that we use, for example, we tend to think that because it's, it's, it's randomly selected, everyone has the same chance, so that must mean that it's fair. That's one fair way to do it, but I think in light of COVID-19, I think we have to be much more targeted in our housing policies. So some are things that we just, we always have known were issues, but um, did not, weren't able to bring to the forefront of our public policy discussion, and some are things that we're really learning anew in this place. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because in the past few years, there's been more and more attention to the idea of housing as a, as a health issue of, of the importance of healthy housing, the possibility for housing to make people unhealthy in one of a, a number of different ways. Um, and so some of the issues that you tease up in the, the briefing paper are, you know, primarily stem from pre-existing housing issues or the economic fallout of COVID-19, but there also is like a health overlay, right? I mean, some have commented that overcrowding and doubling up um, in other ways that people who are low income manage to stay housed in New York City may have increased um, people's chances for exposure to the virus. So uh, do you think there is a, a segment of these housing issues that are primarily health related? Absolutely. So, you know, in the homelessness world where I come from, we've been saying housing is health care for quite some time now, almost where it's become a cliche. Um, and one of the things CHPC was working on is this project under New Lens called Rx for Housing or Prescription for Housing, which was about all the ways in which housing can be healthcare, can it be a healthcare intervention. Um, but the way we had looked at it was, you know, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, we had all these housing policies that were to prevent infectious diseases from spreading in New York City. All of our code enforcement measures, our zoning, all, all these different housing policies that are kind of part of the core of how New York City regulates the housing market were because of infectious disease spread in New York and how to stop it. Um, and the way we looked at it six months ago was, well, now that's over, but now there's new health issues that we can worry about and in find ways that housing policy can help prevent and promote, such as lead poisoning, asthma, um, other chronic health conditions. 
Um, and now we kind of find ourselves rewound 100 years where once again, we need to bring our housing policy to bear for infectious disease control because we don't have a medical intervention right now. So talk about some of the specific issues you want the city and other policymakers to focus on in the months ahead. So I think housing as healthcare was always looked at as a kind of around vulnerable populations in order to help those individuals stay healthy in New York. How we didn't look at housing as healthcare is as a public health matter that every New Yorker would be affected by the most vulnerably housed person among us. So I think we have gone away with looking at homeless services not as primarily a housing crisis for a generation. So one of the housing policy issues that we're calling for is to have the Department of Homeless Services and HPD under the same deputy mayor in one single chain of command so we can really make sure their housing policy with its full weight is brought to bear to solve the homelessness crisis. So density is an issue that people have talked about in the city, obviously, for years. The mayor's housing plan revolves around increasing density. Density is seen as a hallmark of life in the city. It's seen as one of the reasons the city is is largely uh, more, more environmentally sustainable than the suburbs. But density has kind of taken on this new sheen with this virus because it's seen as having elevated the, the risk factors here in New York City. And your paper calls for a kind of an honest and intelligent discussion about density. What do you think are the uh, subtopics that that conversation needs to address? Sure, so we have very little information right now about what caused and exacerbated this crisis. So, but everyone's looking for someone to blame and density is a very easy one. So we see places that are as dense or much denser than New York City faring much better in COVID-19. And we also see places that are rural that have virtually no density that have had major, major outbreaks. So we don't know the extent to which density is or is not a factor here. Um, We know that people coming into contact with other people certainly is the way that the virus is spread. So in the sense that we use the word density to refer to that, that's certainly a factor that we need to worry about. Um, but none of this is going to matter if everybody's too scared to come to New York City, is too scared to come to a Broadway show, is too scared to send their kid to a college or university here. So I think we need to be honest with ourselves about what kind of the definitions of density that are contributing and then the definitions of density that are making it much better. I think overall density is, you know, we use density to great effect in New York City, um, but to the extent to which people crowding in together in large uh, numbers, um, we really are going to need to find a way to mitigate that. And more importantly, we're going to need to find a way to communicate that to people because our economic recovery is really going to depend on it. So people have talked for years about flaws in the way the city um, approves and regulates housing, the land use process, the environmental review process, um, its, its length, Um, the obscurity of some of its provisions, the way that it leaves everybody unsatisfied. Um, So folks have been talking about regulatory reform for some time, but your paper says that COVID-19 itself has proven that many of these procedures are unnecessary, are not serving us well, or can be done in new, more streamlined ways. How has COVID-19 itself exposed problems with the regulatory process? Well, I think once people, we have all these processes around how you build housing, Um, how you create, get approved, construct housing, and we have all these processes in ways in which around low-income people can get access to that housing and any other public benefits. So, you know, 
I'm a former city government person. I feel very strongly about the administrative and regulatory framework that we use, and I think it's important for us to regulate these things in general. But um, as soon as we realize that, you know, requiring someone to submit this form in this way, requiring a wet signature on this piece of paper maybe is not just the mo not the most important thing in the world, but also may actually put everybody else at risk, suddenly we had a very different perspective on what is a, what's a very important requirement to keep our administrative processes going. So I think this is a moment where we, we, we stripped a lot of those away. Um, in the immediate aftermath of COVID-19, our public assistance system, in our Section 8 processes, um, in our land use process, in our, how our government meets and communicates with its citizens. So there's lots of things that we were able to pause on or streamline in an emergency. And I think it's just really important for us to take an honest look at these things and figure out which of those things we may want to continue after the immediate emergency has passed. So I know a lot of people are thinking about um, what's coming next, and obviously the summer looms as this very interesting period where social distancing might be eased and the parks would be well used and what will all the teenagers that don't have SYEP do, but your report mentioned specifically some concerns about uh, air conditioning. What are those? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very worried about this summer. If we need to continue social distancing through the summer, um, you know, for those of us who live in New York City, we know we beat the summer heat by going to places that are air conditioned or going to places that are outside. Um, but if the beaches are closed and the pools are closed and we're supposed to avoid crowded parks, um, those outdoor spaces may not be as accessible to folks. Um, and then we just go outside to, to get away from a hot apartment. So that's an issue for social distancing for everybody. And then for folks who are stuck in their apartments who are already vulnerable, such as seniors and immunocompromised people, we always had an issue in New York of, um, of during, during those kind of heat waves and created cooling centers for that reason. So how we're going to adapt that model of healthy people going outside and to the movies and to the beach and vulnerable people going to a cooling center in order to beat the heat in the summer, I think we're really, we're really going to have to pivot quickly. And that, that first hot day is going to be here before we know it. So we really need a plan for that. So a final question is whenever we talk about, well, virtually any policy issue, but especially housing, there's always the question of, the city's ability to address the issues being raised versus the other levels of government, whether it's the state or the federal government, uh, in terms of authority and in terms of resources. And obviously now the city is in entering uh, what appears to be a very acute uh, and serious fiscal crisis, um, and the state may not be very far behind. So when you look at the issues that you guys feel need addressing, how much of them are things that the city can meaningfully work on itself and how much are we going to need um, the direct involvement and, and likely investment uh, of Albany and Washington? I think there's, there's no question that both the COVID-19 crisis itself and any housing policy response is really going to suffer from a lack of coordination and communication and collaboration between the city, state, and federal government. Um, some of the things that we focused on, we focused on explicitly because we felt that this is, these are things that the city can do on their own, such as focusing on regulatory reform in the absence of a capital strategy, getting, learning as much as we can about density and communicating that so that people know what continues to be healthy and good and wonderful about New York City. Um, but something like solving NYCHA's housing plant 
issues, making sure that four, six, 800,000 residents of New York City's public housing get the housing that they need and deserve um, is really gonna need a coordinated effort and resources from all levels of government. So that one I would really be concerned about in the absence of that kind of collaboration. Jessica Katz, Executive Director of CHPC, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Jarrett.